we're talking about um, the, the story of Jesus. We've been talking about that. Supposedly, we're going to talk about that this month, but we had a couple of substitutions in between. So I'm going to try to do four sermons in two weeks. We'll see how that goes. I will, um, I will try to keep it brief, but we were talking about, or what I wanted to talk about was the story of Jesus' life as a, as a metaphor, as a template for awakening. And it's interesting, when we go into stories of awakening, they are all very similar. Jesus' story was similar to the Buddha story. And the first thing that happens to anyone who starts on a spiritual path is a moment of calling. Now, for some people, that's like ah, a voice from above that actually says, here's what you're supposed to do. I don't know any of those people, but I've heard that it happens. For me, my calling was the things that I've taught do not live in harmony with what my heart knows. I have to find something different. I have to find something that I can believe and follow that is in harmony with what my heart already knows, which is that there is only love. Therefore, no judgment or condemnation. If God is love, God is love. That's it. Well, Jesus, I think, felt a similar call. We don't know very much about his early life. Um, we know uh, there are the stories of his birth, and then there's one story when he was 12 years old when his parents went to the Passover feast in Jerusalem. And you have to know, there's like this whole gigantic family with cousins and aunts and uncles and wee ones and everyone and old ones and every, all the generations in between and they went for the Passover feast and when they went home when they went back to Nazareth it took like three days journey before they realized that Jesus wasn't with them because everybody thought oh he must be with Aunt Sue oh I think I saw him with Uncle Joe whatever and finally they realized he's not here and panicking his parents went back to Jerusalem and they found him sitting in the temple talking to the priests. And um, the, the, the smart aleck answer that he gave them when they said, you know, you have been, what happened? You didn't come with us. Your father and your mother were so worried. He said, did you not know that I would be in my father's house? So um, I, I kind of love that teenage-ish response that he had. But the truth is, that to me shows that he had a deep interest early on. The next time we see anything from the story of Jesus is when he goes to be baptized by John the Baptist. Well, sitting in the temple with the priests and asking them questions, probably getting in trouble for it, is way different from searching out John the wild man. The wild man that lived on locusts and honey. The wild man that ate only berries and lived out in the woods, basically saying that this organized religion doesn't work for me. I have to find something completely whole, completely new. And so the fact that Jesus sought him out as the person to baptize him, to welcome him into his ministry shows that Jesus was of that same mind. This fair 
Pharaoh say all these rules and regulations are not bad in and of themselves, perhaps, but they're, they completely miss the heart of what this is supposed to be. If there's no love in it, I don't want to do it. That was my calling. If there's no love in it, I'm not going to believe it or hold it or act with it or use it as my template for life. And if there is love, that's what I want. Jesus had this calling. He had this calling, and he stepped outside of the prescribed, organized religion in order to fill that calling. And did he follow John the Baptist? No, he did not. And John, um, in the Bible anyway, the story says that John knew he wasn't going to because he knew he, knew he was going to do something greater. What John did was negate what had happened before. What Jesus was to do is to create what is new, create that new thing. Um, the Buddha had some similar stories. He was, of course, kept from knowing any bad things in the world. Um, the old age and sickness were kept from him. He lived in a palace of gold. He was not allowed off the palace grounds for the most part. So he just thought the world was fine and dandy. But at age seven, there was a, a party around the plowing, around the planting of the grain for the city, and he was allowed to go to that party, and they found him sitting under a tree, and when they questioned, what, you know, why, why are you just sitting here, there's all this partying going on, and he, he said that he was contemplating how in order for the grain to grow, he had to plow up the ground, and how many lives the plowing itself disturbed. Insects, worms, habitats for other animals. He wasn't judging it, saying it was wrong or it was not wrong. He was allowing himself to contemplate it and feel it and know it and appreciate it. They thought that was weird, I think. They brought him back home. And then um, he started as, an, as a young man then questioning um, the guy who was his driver, the guy that was kind of his servant, like, what is this? He asked to be taken outside the palace grounds, and he did, and he saw old, and he saw sick, and he saw dead, things he had never seen before. And he realized that the life he had been given by his father in the palace was not a real life, it was a false life. And he was so struck by the unfairness, he said, of that having to get sick, having to grow old, having to die, that he determined that he was going to discover the secret to not dying. And I don't know if he meant at the time that his body wouldn't die, but definitely what he did was discover the secret of the eternal nature of the spirit and how to conquer that. And that's kind of what Jesus did too. Discovering the secret of the eternal nature of the spirit and the importance of compassion and love. Developing that compassionate heart. So the call, the awakening and the call, big part of our journey. Often, the very next step on our journey is a test. <laughs> oh, so you say you believe in love, do you? Okay. Deal with this. I remember when I was six years old, um, telling my mother very seriously going into her room. And my mom was good. She always listened to me. 
I said, I'm thinking about this, and I don't think it's right to spank people. I think that, um, that there are other ways that you can punish, but hitting teaches people to hit, and you tell us not to hit, so it shouldn't be okay for you to hit. And my mother said, well, that's very interesting. Thank you for sharing that with me, and I'll definitely talk to your father about that. And then, uh, I don't know, later in the day, my sister stole something of mine and broke it, and I went, spank her, spank her, spank her! Thank you. 
And I think specialness is that word. It's a, it's a big word in Buddhism, too. That no one is special because everyone has access to the same power and love and compassion. And so what Jesus did by saying, no, nah, I'm not going to do that, was to say, I don't have to prove I'm special. As a matter of fact, the more I know who I am, the more I know there's nothing special about me other than that I'm paying attention to who I am. And then the third temptation was the devil said, I tell you what, bow and worship me and you can have, I will give you all the power in the world, all the power over men, over things. You can live in a palace for the rest of your life. You can uh, manipulate people into being exactly what you want and you can live a life of unbelievable opulence and control. I don't know about you, but I like opulence and I love control. <laughs> and Jesus said, get thee behind me. Get thee behind me, Satan. Now, I don't believe that Satan was a being. I think Satan is this part of us that says, okay, you're scared, do whatever. You know, just forget all that love stuff. Just do what you need to do to survive. That says, um, Yes, you are very loving. Let's show the world how loving we are. Or that part of us that says, you know what? I know that within me I have power. And I can even use my own spiritual power to exert force into the world. Jesus said, get me behind me. And I think it's very important that he didn't say, die, get lost, scram. Because Jesus wasn't talking to an entity outside of himself. He was saying, I'm living here in the center. You are no longer allowed to be out in front of me. You get behind me. Maybe you're still there, but I'm not looking at you. I'm not going to pay attention to you. I made a different decision. I'm looking ahead, not looking behind. Buddha had a similar experience when he sat under the bow tree. Mara came to him. And Mara is more of um, a, a, a state of consciousness or something. It's not a being. It's not a thing. It's more, it's less personal. It's a more impersonal thing. Mara is like temptation itself. So Mara first sends his daughters to seduce the Buddha, to say, you know, ooh, you can have lots of good stuff here. You can have control over all of this. And the Buddha says, you know, I don't need that. Now that I know who I am, I no longer need that. And Mara then, when he's not able to seduce him with food, with wealth, with sex, with whatever seduces us, all of those temptations, then he brought in the warriors to try to force him into submission. Oh yeah? You don't want all this stuff? I can't bribe you? Then I'm just going to take you. And the Buddha sat still. He did not allow the forces to take him out of his state of compassion, of love, of quiet. The quiet that the poem talks about. And then the last thing is Mara said, I am going to personally attack you. I'm going to get in your face and I'm going to make you. And what the Buddha did in legend 
is to simply touch the earth. To ground himself. To remind himself, which is always who tests us and who we're fighting with. Y'all, if you think it's some God out there that's testing you, it would be you testing you. And he simply touched the earth to remember who he was. A being of spirit, a born of earth. And Mara disappeared. Just as the devil got behind Jesus. So we have these tests. We have these tests. And once we get, and sometimes the tests can last years, and sometimes they're of a moment, and sometimes we have several tests. It doesn't matter. What matters is that we remember who we are and do our best to stay centered in that. And yes, we will veer off. Stinger! <laughs> we will veer off of that path. Whatever the adult version of that is, I know that I do it. Um, but I get to get back to center again. I get to calm the noise. I get to understand that chaos is what I see out here. But the truth of in here is I get to choose whether to focus on the chaos or choose to focus on the truth of who I am. Love, compassion, peace. I get to choose to think everybody's doing something to me or I can choose to say, hey, the world happens. I get to choose how I respond to it. I get to choose how I show up in it. I get to choose how I live in it and how I die in it if it comes to death. And that is mastery. And when one has reached mastery, often, to carry on this metaphor, one begins to teach. The Buddha started finding disciples that he could share this message with. And Jesus started finding disciples to share his message with. Now, Jesus' disciples were just thick as rocks. <laughs> like you and me. Like you and me. And I think um, with both the, the Buddha and Jesus, they kept trying to, there was this thing called transmission that a master is able to do, supposedly able to do. Like, like you get people around you who, when you sing, their strings vibrate with so rather than teaching like as being so much of an intellectual exercise, this understanding that happens, that you get it. We try to choose the people who get it to teach to. And hopefully then they'll go find people who get it, and they'll find people who get it, and more and more people will know this truth. Jesus found that the disciples never got it. Maybe Mary did. I think Mary did. But I don't think anybody else really ever got it in Jesus' lifetime, for sure. But what both Jesus and the Buddha realized is that the teaching is not in the teaching. The teaching is in simply living the truth. Allowing the disciples and those who are not disciples to watch a life lived in truth, grounded in compassion and love. And that is the greatest teaching we can ever receive. Which is why Jesus is considered the greatest teacher in the West. Buddha is considered the greatest teacher in the East. 
because they didn't try to tell you something or intellectualize you into something. They simply lived the way they lived in peace through horrible tests. So today, Palm Sunday, Jesus comes into triumph, and that's one of the next metaphorically, it's like, woo, I'm awake, I got it, I made it through the test, everything is good. Enters into Jerusalem in triumph with the people in the streets laying down palms and singing Hosanna, Hosanna. Hosanna, by the way, doesn't mean hallelujah. Hosanna means save us. We recognize that you have the power to save us. But like all the disciples, they didn't get it. They didn't want to be saved by following Jesus' example. They didn't want to be saved by living a life of love, regardless of circumstance. They wanted him to bring in armies and cut down the Romans and set them free. Stop them being taxed. Stop them being whatever it was they were being at the time, um, ostracized and discriminated against. And Jesus is like, that's not the kingdom that I'm trying to show you. This, you know, sure, it's something to go through, but it's not the truth of who we are. And so from that triumphant, everybody going, yay, he's here, he's the one, and he's going to save us. By the end of the week, he's betrayed by the people who were the very closest to him, not just the crowds who were disappointed that he didn't do what they wanted him to do, but by the people closest to him. That was another test, and we'll talk more about that next week. In the meantime, remember who you are. If you forget, touch the earth, touch your heart, and know that you were created in love to love and to be loved, to give and receive, to be an open channel. Let's take that into meditation. Soften your chest and your belly. Soften your hands. Soften your legs and your feet. Just allow yourself to be supported by whatever piece of furniture is supporting you or the ground that you stand on. distract. 
distractions and temptations and forces that are outside the truth of love to influence us. Thank you. 
that's when he knew that the choice for love was more important than the choice to follow a rule. And he understood that if you follow where love leads, where the love within you expands you to, you can never be on the wrong road no matter what it looks like. There may be tests. Ah, there will be tests. But on this side, and in the middle, and on the other side of the test, is this eternal flow of the one love that is in you, that lives as you.